This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Each year around Father's Day, I'm asked to speak at various functions. One of the places I really enjoy is in Woodlands, Texas with B2B Ministries, and they bring in uh, teenage boys from all kinds of different foster care homes and detention centers, and many of them who really don't have a great relationship with their father or with their parent. And so it's important for them to understand that God the Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of His love, it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, that all things were made to, through, by, and for Jesus, the Son of God's love. But, but Colossians 1.12 says it this way, We give thanks to the Father, that's our Heavenly Father, who has qualified us to receive the inheritance as the, of, the, of the Son as the children of the light. It's so important for these young people, and all of us included, to find affirmation, approval, and acceptance. It's hard, though, to comprehend the love of a Heavenly Father if we don't have a human comprehension or earthly comprehension of fathers on this earth. I find there's a a staggering statistic of so many that even if they have a great relationship at home, they live in a culture of fatherlessness as a generational culture. So we're all impacted by this identity crisis, by the challenges that face us today in this generation. In fact, I wrote about in, in former books, my Father's Generation book, Hope for Father's Generation, Who's Your Daddy Now?, including my uh, last one on, on fatherlessness called In Search of a Father's Blessing, because everyone's longing for that place of acceptance, approval, and, and acceptance and approval and affirmation from a father. Sadly, and even recently, I was at a Christian school, and there's students from various parts of the world and I was asked to come and speak to them about a father's blessing and getting a revelation of the Heavenly Father's love. And as I watch young people at every function I go to and we address this issue, a large percentage of them really have no earthly comprehension of the love of the Heavenly Father because they've had such challenges in their homes or wherever they may be going through in their relationships on this earth. So it's important for us to give them that kind of acceptance and approval and affirmation as the body of Christ to let them see a revelation of God's love. I love this scripture word. He's bestowed, but he's lavished on us that we will be called the children of God, and that is who we are and what we are. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in our tribulations or trials or difficulties, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble of their own, with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Wow, that's pretty awesome. We are the children of God because of the glorious love the Heavenly Father has bestowed on us through Jesus Christ. He is the Father of mercies, and He extends and shows His children great mercies. And He is our comforter. He comforts us through our difficult trials, our tribulations, our testings. He's the one that is there for us and will never leave us nor forsake us. So I want to entitle today's podcast as The Need for Father's Love. And what I'm talking about that is I'm not even talking about, because we know that we have this, this crisis in our generation of fatherlessness, or even when there is a father in the home, the average father spends less than 10 per minutes a day in quality, engaging time with their children. 
They, they might be busy. It's not intentional for some. For others, they're absentee fathers. They're not, they're not engaged with their children. Others are because of circumstances and the epidemic of, of separations and divorce. And we just see so many things happening in our culture today. But it's important for us to recognize that we can be an example of the Father's love because of Christ Jesus. This school I was speaking at and sharing with them about the Father's blessing, I shared with them about uh, John the Baptist when he was baptizing Jesus, and it says that the, the heavens opened up, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, this is our Heavenly Father speaking, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, that's God's way of publicly declaring, that's my boy, that's my son. But it's so cool to recognize when we look at Romans chapter 8, verse 15, that we get to call God Abba, Father, that he's been, we've been sealed by that spirit of adoption. How have we been sealed? We've been sealed because through the Son of His love, Jesus, says in, remember Colossians chapter 1, the Son of His love, Jesus, who all things were made to, through, for, and by, is now the very one that God looks to us and sees Christ in us when we call upon the name of the Lord, so that we can give thanks to the Father, our Heavenly Father, who has qualified us. In other words, He's the one now gives us the affirmation, approval, and acceptance because of the Son of His love. So through Christ, just like when the Heavenly Father opened the skies and the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and, and He spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, God says of you and says of me. And I shared this at the school and all these places with these young people I talked to. I said, let's think about this for a moment. If God knew you before you were in your mother's womb and He beautifully and wonderfully made you, and God says that He's called you by your name, Isaiah 43, then think how important your destiny and your purpose is for the things, the great things God wants to do through your life, in and through your life, regardless of the circumstances, the environments of your past, regardless of choices or things that are perpetrated against you, or the even the choices you made that maybe have been wrong against God. Once you come to the revelation of the love of the Heavenly Father, who has qualified you through His Son, Jesus Christ, you are now catapulted in this place of purpose and destiny beyond yourself and beyond your circumstances. Too often, we're held back from our future because we live in the place of pain and shame of the past. But God wants us to know this, that no matter what our past has been, we can't change our past, but the decisions we make every day determine our future. And so I want to encourage you today. I, I wrote a story or quoted a story in one of my books about Kurt Williams, who's a dear friend. I've served on the board of, of the founding board and then also on the advisory board for Youth Reach Houston and now Youth Reach uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama. But Kurt Williams, uh, who, who's the founder of Youth Reach, uh, shared this real life illustration of, of a fathering youth in a practical way. Here's what he said During one of my, our many projects at Youth Reach, I needed a crescent wrench to complete a job. I looked over at one of the boys, a new resident, who likely had never held a tool in his life, and I asked him to get me from our workshop one of these crescent wrenches. So he said, okay, and he went to get one for me. And a few minutes later, he returned and held out to me a, a, a set of channel lock pliers. I, I, I looked in his eyes, and I could see that he probably had no clue of what a crescent wrench was, and he probably looked at every tool on the wall in the workshop, and he'd given it his best shot and his best guess, and pulled out 
these pliers rather than the crescent wrench. It was also clear that he was really hoping he had guessed the right thing. He wanted to please me so much. He had tried his best. You see, many of our boys arrive in baggy clothes with gang affiliation and long arrest records. They appear tough, but plain old hard work reveals they are weak and soft and lack basic knowledge of how to be a real man. And so many young people today are longing for that place of identity. In fact, I wrote in, in one of my books on the father's generation and in search of a father's blessing on the clash of cultures. And that will be so true more today in 2019 than ever before. There's an erosion and unraveling of so many of our moral foundations. There, there's really an identity crisis. Many of these young people today are saying, who am I? What is my purpose? What's my destiny? Where am I going? What is the meaning of life? These are questions many of us ask or at least think about from time to time, and some more than others. But I wrote this down in a quote from the Freedom Forum, First Amendment Center of Vanderbilt University, and it points out that there's a wide, uh, wide chasm and an unhealthy distrust exists between two alien cultures, one rooted largely in search for facts and the other grounded in a discovery of faith beyond fact. The culture of, un of disbelief and the culture of belief are at odds with each other almost to the point of total polarization. I heard a testimony just recently at this high school I was speaking at of a young girl who grew up in the church but had doubts in her mind and this constant conflict, this clash of cultures of, of this idea of faith and this idea of, of unbelief and, and the, even the, uh, the abuses that happened in her life as a young child. And, and for a period of time in her teens, she walked away from God Went, made some really bad choices because she had been untethered from that place of the protection of the Lord. But through a process of time, she realized, I need the Lord in my life. And she came back to that place, uh, excited to serve God. God began to do an inner work in healing, had to work through all the depressions and had to work through all the challenges, had to work through the pain and the frustrations and even the guilt and the shame of choices that were made and even things that had been perpetrated against her as a young child. But she came to that revelation, though, of God's love, unconditional love, that place of his abounding grace, his great grace, his amazing grace. Something began to change. And now this place of doubt in the mind no longer was a place of unbelief, but now became a place of the culture of belief that is no longer at odds with the, the bombardment of the external pressures of life and the influences around her. In fact, social scientist James Q. Wilson writes that, that the powers exercised by the institutions of social control have been constrained, and people, especially young people, have embraced an ethos that values self-expression over self-control. This war has escalated in the academic institutions of our land, and one of its bloodiest battlegrounds is found in the minds of our fatherless young people. Let me give you this one statistic I first learned from David Wilkerson and I wrote about. In 1940, teachers reported the worst problems in public schools were being talking out of turn, chewing gum, making noise, running in hallways, cutting in line, dress, dress, dress code infractions, and littering. In contrast, just uh, 50 years later in the 1990s, Teachers identified the following problems as being the most significant, and these were drug abuse, alcohol abuse, pregnancy, suicide, rape, robbery, and assault. And those problems have even escalated more and more magnified today 
in 2019 than ever before. Without the leadership of earthly fathers who derive their authority from the Heavenly Father, young people today find themselves adrift on a turbulent sea of doubt and confusion that's creating this identity crisis so many are going through. Many have lost sight of the shoreline and have no compass to guide them back. Let's consider what uh, one professor of sociology at Rutgers University pointed out in, in, the, in the controversial truth. Two-parent families are better, he said in New York Times, December uh, 26, 1992. In three decades of work as a social scientist, he said, I know a few other bodies of data in which the weight of evidence is so decisively on one side of the issue. On the whole, for children, two-parent families are preferable. If our prevailing views on family structures uh, on our family structure hinge solely on scholarly evidence, the current debate would never have risen in the first place. Let me let me break it down this way. The reality is, and this was back in 1992, and we've come a long way since then. We see a complete unraveling and an erosion of our foundations, and today we're beginning to wonder why we're adrift in this moral, uh, this shipwreck and this, this waves and sea of, of distress and no direction. It's because so many are trying to build upon foundations that are, that are faulty. They're, they're broken. They're broken cisterns. What we need is to get back to the foundations that we know that are unshakable. Time Magazine in, in June, 20, uh, June 28, 1993 said, Fatherhood in America is being crushed in the collision between private needs and public pressure. The message dads are getting is that they are not up to the job, and a record number don't even stick around, even as fathers are needed more than ever. Goodness, this was back in 1993, and think about where things have gone since then today, just, what, 20 years later. We have got to get back to looking at this in an honest and serious way that men and fathers are needed more than ever. Two-parent homes are needed. The engagement of a mother and a father is needed. No matter how much we try to change laws, try to change and amend our, our moral beliefs into something that fits what we want for now, if we don't get back to what we know works, then if we build on the wrong foundation, it will not last. I've shared before that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says that anything that is built on the foundations of anything other than on Jesus and the fundamentals of God's kingdom will not last. It will be burned. It will go away as chaff. And the reality is that we can try to justify, we can try to excuse, we can try to mend laws, we can try to make laws because it makes us feel better. But it doesn't make a difference if we're going to, if we're going to build on things that are faulty. We need to get back to the unshakable foundations of the Lord. James Boswell, who was, uh, who lived in, was born in 1740 and to 1795, was a famous Scottish biographer, and he was the biographer of Samuel Johnson. He tells us this story about a personal life experience. As a boy, he was invited by his dad to go fishing, and, and this was an exciting day. He, and he wrote in his diary, I went fishing with my dad. It was the greatest day of my life. And years later, after his father passed away, James Boswell, who was the biographer for Samuel Johnson, he, he looked up his dad's diary and said, wow, I wonder what my dad wrote about on that same day all those years before. So he got his dad's diary out to see what he may have written about that same perfect day, that day that James Boswell said, when I went fishing with my dad, it was a great day. And he found the exact date. He was excited when he found that date. And he looked in his dad's diary. But instead, his dad had written on that day, 
that where James Boswell thought was a great day, went fishing with my dad, he wrote down in the diary, his dad had written in the diary on that same day, I went fishing with my son, it was a day wasted. Wow. You know, when you look at people's perceptions, perception isn't always the truth, but it is the truth to the ones who perceive it. This little boy and his children, boys and girls, Look at every opportunity. Things are magnified. They, they love being around those that, that their parents. They love being around their fathers and mothers. They, re, they love being around people where they feel that security and that place of identity. They love that place of that socialization through identity and relationship and, and that place of knowing that they have their family name. They, they love being around those that they feel are, are to care for them and to look out for them and protect them. And yet, oftentimes... And I remember this very clearly when I saw someone in a Denver airport years ago, and I saw this little boy, probably maybe five, six, seven years old, and his T-shirt said, my daddy rocks. And he was walking with his dad. He was so excited. But statistically, one day, that boy could tear that shirt off. I pray not for that particular boy, but as a whole, we're all wanting to say, my daddy rocks. But circumstances of life and the world in which we live bring disappointments and disillusionments and distract us from that destiny that God wants for us. And those disappointments can cause us to be disillusioned with our own loved ones as well. And one day we no longer say, my daddy rocks, but disappointments have caused you to mistrust or no longer trust your dad or or your mom. We've got to get back to that place of realizing the importance of what we say, what we do, the environments we create are going to be so important for those that are watching us. Today, more than ever, we, we are suffering from a, of a cultural poor self-image that is rebelling against distorted images and role models in our lives. But we can see a healing in these identity crises. Today, more than ever, because God himself has given us an access to him, that we don't have to live in dysfunction, we don't have to live in this place of bondage, we don't have to live in this place of, of being bound up, we can find victory and freedom in God himself, the one who gives us affirmation, approval, and acceptance. The Lord knows the deepest needs of your and my life. The Lord knows the deepest needs of the human soul and spirit. You've heard the the term, the center for order of our universe. And so every cell in the human body has a nucleus. And all the activity of this cell revolves around the nucleus. In fact, our solar system has a nucleus too. It's the sun. All the planets uh, revolve in a set order around, around the sun. And in both cases, the nucleus, or the center, maintains order and prevents chaos. If a human cell becomes cancerous, its nucleus can no longer maintain order. The health of the entire body is affected by it. Likewise, if the sun no longer maintained the gravitational order for the solar system, the planets would be catapulted into chaos. The natural tendency is to degenerate into chaos, a process called entropy, a force or nucleus must be present to keep order. Ultimately, God is the divine force that brings order to life. He is the nucleus of all that exists. Therefore, it says in in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Yes, there is a need for the Father's love. And so great is God's love that he wants to lavish his love on us. He wants to bestow that love on us, that manner of love to be bestowed on us so we can be called the children of the light. God wants us to walk in his comfort, his mercies, and this identity so we're not walking in entropy or crisis. He wants us to be the men and women that we're called to be. And he's wanting right now to to reach each and every one of us, to remind us, 
that he wants to guide us, he wants to guard and govern us, he wants to protect us, he wants to provide for us, he wants to look out for us. In other words, he wants to be the steward of our lives and likewise give us stewardship because through stewardship, we then learn from him how to protect and to guide, guard, and govern our homes, our families, our relationships. The Lord said in, in, in Scripture that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord said, God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. In other words, that's God's way of saying, I want you to be a good steward of what I've presented to you. In fact, in the New English translation, it says, The Lord took, took the man and placed him in the orchard in Eden to care for it and to maintain it. God is wanting us to maintain the stewardships he's given us to help this generation that's needing more than ever to find their approval, acceptance, and, and affirmation. They need to see Christ, and they need to see God's the Heavenly Father's love for them through Christ, the Son of God's love, and to hear his word speak into their hearts and spirit. That's my boy. That's my girl. You know, I received a Father's Day card a few years ago from my daughter, and on Father's Day, and it says, Dad, the world today revolves around you. Tomorrow, though, it goes back to revolving around me, thus restoring balance and harmony to the universe. You know, there's something about children who are longing for that place of relationship. And just like my daughter, when she wrote in that, that Father's Day card, that she said, today it's Father's Day, so everything revolves around you, Dad, but tomorrow it's all about me again. Isn't that what children need? They need to know that their universe is, that everything is about their little world, their universe, that place of nurture, protection, stewardship, and to, to look out for their tender hearts and to make sure that we're protecting them from the things that get into their sha'ar or the gateway to their minds and their hearts and their spirit. Uh, she also wrote in there, it said, um, I love you, Daddy. You're so handsome. Mommy agrees. You're an awesome father. I'm blessed to have you as a father. And that, that so did something so deeply in my heart because in my own life, I didn't know how to be a good father or husband. I didn't think I would have that kind of relationship. But through God's love, and through our Heavenly Father lavishing His and bestowing His love on us, I could learn through the characteristics of Christ, because the characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the character of the King, King Jesus. We can look to Him, the author and finisher of our faith, and help us to be the man or the woman that God's called us to be, and to help raise up another generation who are longing for identity and for security and protection and guidance. I like what Pastor Rusty Griffin from a Christian City Fellowship in Sealy, Texas says, he says, he puts it this way, many times there is a treasure inside a youth or a child's heart, but he or she doesn't recognize it. So they run after the treasure in someone else's heart. You see, a spiritual father has to help these young people see the treasure in their heart. And that's what I want to encourage each and every one of us today. Maybe you're one who thinks that you, you're not a great example or you haven't had a great example in your life. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the past has been. It doesn't matter what we've gone through. It's a matter of making a choice today because we can't change our past, but the decisions we make each day determine our future. I want you to know that your approval, acceptance, and affirmation comes from the Heavenly Father who's looking at you right now, and he's saying, that's my boy, that's my girl. And for all of us who feel we don't have much to give, God's calling destiny out of us. Let's, let's speak life, call destiny out of one another, and to, do, to be able to speak, uh, speak words of affirmation, to speak words of encouragement, and encourage one another to greater works. Yes, we need to know the Father's love. 
But God, through His Son, the Son of His love, Jesus Christ, has paved the way, showed the way, and gives us the example that we need to be the men and women we need to be and to share the Father's love to a generation that desperately needs to know His love and is called by the destiny of God to pave the way for great revival in the coming of the Lord. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.